You're listening to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast, and I'm your host, Michelle Broad, certified women's health and adult nurse practitioner and hormone specialist. I'm a daughter, a wife, a mama, and nan of two, and I'm the founder of the Well Woman Network, an online women's health educational portal, and it is my passion, ladies, to help women all over the world optimize their health by teaching them how to become their number one self-care advocate through teaching them about their health in a non-judgmental and not too sciencey way. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode in another week. I'm so happy to have you here with us. And today I'm going to be talking to you about progesterone. And I'm going to try to come at it from you, like I said, from a non-judgmental way, but we're going to continue our conversations around these hormones that we've been talking about and kind of understanding each one of them a little bit different and how they play a role in other areas of our health and our wellness. And progesterone happens to be one of those things. It's a great hormone. And if it's out of balance, well, a lot of things can go haywire. So first of all, let's start off by talking about what is progesterone, ladies, okay? So first, progesterone is a hormone that is found and produced by your ovaries, your placenta, and by your adrenal glands. This hormone is mainly secreted by your corpus luteum after ovulation, and it plays an important role in your menstrual cycle and in the early stages of pregnancy. And if your egg isn't fertilized, progesterone levels then drop thus triggering you to have your period. Okay. So for today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about what causes progesterone deficiencies, because I see a lot of women have a lot of problems due to progesterone deficiency. Okay. So an imbalance in your progesterone levels, like we just talked about, can affect your health and your menstrual cycle in many different ways. And low progesterone can also cause, can be caused by a lot of different factors. So today I'm going to be talking to you about four or five of those different things that can cause an imbalance in your progesterone levels. And these are just the tip of the iceberg. And like I said, this is just a podcast to get you, you know, educated and have your mind open around these different things. And I'm not going to come at you too sciencey where you think, oh my God, I don't understand what the heck this woman is talking about. It's way over my head. I need to have a medical degree. That's not where I come from. I'm coming here to just teach you in a very easy manner, things for you to understand about your body and about your hormones and about just your life and optimal wellness and how you can be your number one self-care advocate. And part of that ladies is by understanding how your body works, you know, so you make this wonderful hormone progesterone, which aids in pregnancy, which aids in your menstrual cycle, which helps you to sleep better, which helps you to feel better, can combat depression and just a whole host of other things. And when it goes awry in our bodies, okay, and it becomes imbalanced, we can start to suffer from other things and start to feel different effects in our bodies. So I want you to understand what these things are and what are the things that can cause your progesterone sometimes to get out of whack and for you to start feeling some of these things, okay? So let's take a recap. I'm just going to start at the end and I'm going to let you know some signs of a of a decreased progesterone level. Okay. Number one, they can be having irregular periods. They can be that you have an increase in anxiety. You can have an increase in fatigue. You can have PMS symptoms, irritability, sore breast, water retention, headaches, bloating, you know, all those different kinds of things that happen cyclically. 
You can have low infertility or have a hard time getting pregnant, or you can be infertile altogether. Sometimes it can even cause you to have low libido. Okay. And again, like I said, you can have headaches and migraines. And sometimes when your progesterone level is low, ladies, and you're trying to get pregnant, you may suffer miscarriages, which can be a real detriment to all of us or to you as well. Okay. So progesterone is a wonderful feel good hormone. And when it gets out of whack, let's talk about what can happen and how it can get out of whack. Okay. First of all, like we said, progesterone can affect your menstrual cycle, but there are factors that actually can cause them. So some of them are number one, having an anovulatory cycle. Okay. So these are cycles, ladies, where ovulation doesn't occur and there is no egg is released. Most women with anovulatory cycles don't have periods, but if they do, they tend to be irregular in nature and they can be heavier when you do get a period. Many different factors can lead to an anovulatory cycle. However, anovulation is most commonly related to a hormonal imbalance. Ovulation, ladies, or the release of an egg, is a complex process that involves many different hormones, including progesterone, luteinizing hormone, which is LH, and follicle-stimulating hormones, also known as FSH. See, so when we go back to way back several episodes ago, I'm just recapping here for you. When I talk to you about your endocrine system and I talk to you about all these different hormones that are produced a lot of different places, we also talked about when we think about hormones as women, we tend to only think about progesterone, testosterone, and estrogen, the main ones, okay? We don't tend to think about those other ones that play a big factor in our lives as well, such as luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone. Those two hormones are needed for ovulation for you to have a period every month and for you to be able to get pregnant when you want to, okay? So to trigger ovulation, ladies, hormone levels must reach a certain threshold for the release of an egg to occur, any disruption in this process can lead to anovulatory cycles. Your menstrual cycle, okay, is very delicate and anything, little things can just throw it off and cause you to have problems and can play havoc with it, <clears throat> okay? So some signs of an anovulatory cycle can be that you have PCOS. A lot of women who have PCOS are having very irregular cycles if cycles, if they have cycles at all. Stress can cause anovulatory cycles. We're going to talk about that later. Excessive exercise can cause it. I mean, I'm talking about excessive. Like when you are deeply training for a lot of things, your periods usually will end up stopping and you'll become anovulatory. Being over or underweight can also cause you to have anovulatory cycles. Okay. Because over being overweight, you have extra estrogen and extra estrogen in your fat cells triggers your body to fake it out, to think like you are pregnant. So therefore your periods may stop. Okay. If you have, if you are too low of weight, as you know, okay. If you have eating disorder, people out there who have eating disorders, sometimes their periods stop too, because they become underweight and they don't have enough of the stuff to make their hormones and their brain tells it to shut off. Okay. In a healthy body, ladies, estrogen and progesterone naturally balance each other out. Having a low progesterone can cause estrogen dominance. Maybe you've heard of that term, especially you might've heard of it around terms like PMS. P people who have PMS, they say, oh, you tend to be estrogen dominant. You have, you know, and when we think of estrogen dominance, 
people often think that, oh my God, I have tens more, tons more of estrogen and I've got way too much and I don't have enough progesterone. That really isn't the case. It's not that you're making more estrogen. It's just that your progesterone is low and that there's not enough progesterone to balance out your estrogen that you currently have in your body. Therefore, we call it estrogen dominance. So when the progesterone isn't there to help balance it out, it can act out on its own causing problems. That's why you can have sometimes those problems and the feelings of PMS that come along with it. Those are usually because estrogen is just doing its own thing and progesterone isn't there to balance it out. Okay. So when you have estrogen dominance, you can also, that produces anovulation, which can lead to an overgrowth of the lining of your uterus. Okay. That's also called your endometrium, which in turn can cause heavy periods. So a lot of times, you know, women who are anovulatory, you can be an anovulatory for several cycles. You can be anovulatory for months. There's some women who have no period for a year and, or some, like I said, some people go without a period for a few months, knowing that the next time when you do have a period, Okay. That endometrial lining has been building up even though you haven't had a period. And therefore the next time that you do have a period and it sees that, that hormone, all that hormone around there, the egg and the the ovulation process, you have a heavier period. Okay. So that's a reason why when you go without a period for several months, even whether it's just during, you know, your thirties or your forties, or even can happen when you're going through the perimenopause, when you miss cycles, because you're starting to reach that end time where you're going to go into menopause, when you miss cycles and the next time you have one, it tends to be heavier. That's is the reason. Okay. So, Hey, we learned something new today too. So things that you can do to help with anovulation is you can try to eat whole foods. Foods that are free from artificial sugars, hormones, and preservatives. These can help, this can help your endocrine system regulate your blood sugar levels better. So add low glycemic fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes to your diet. You can also exercise because exercise, ladies, is important for maintaining health, healthy weight, and reducing stress levels. Okay. And we're going to talk about that again. I, like I said, later on low impact exercises like yoga or even HIIT training, which is high intensity interval training for small, short periods of time can help with PCOS symptoms. Number two thing that can affect your progesterone level is hypothyroidism. Okay. Low progesterone levels can and nor may lead to thyroid problems. See, estrogen causes food calories to be stored as fat. Thyroid hormone causes fat calories to be burned into, I'm sorry, causes them to be turned into usable energy. You know, thyroid hormone and estrogen therefore have opposing actions. Estrogen dominance inhibits thyroid action and lowers the rate of metabolism of your body. Okay, so estrogen causes your calories to be stored as fat and thyroid hormone causes fat calories to be turned into usable energy to burn fat. So when you have an estrogen dominance and you have estrogen acting out by itself because it doesn't have enough progesterone there to offset it, that estrogen dominance can affect your thyroid's action of helping to burn those fats in your body, causing you to have weight gain. So natural progesterone inhibits this estrogen action. So the symptoms of hypothyroidism may also occur because of estrogen dominance. 
Sometimes that's what's happening too. Like I told you before, when one system is out, another system will go and try to help it. The body acts like an entire system from head to toe. And that's why I like you to think about it that way. When one thing's off, think about, is there something else going on in my body that could be causing that problem to occur? Okay. And conversely, hypothyroidism can cause progesterone deficiency. So you can have either or. Hypothyroidism is when we know when the thyroid is underactive. This means that the hormones that regulate your endocrine system aren't produced in high enough amounts, which means it can also be difficult for your body to produce enough progesterone. So you may not be producing enough progesterone if you have a thyroid issue as well. Okay. So see, I mean, I know it sounds a little bit confusing, but so many things interact in our bodies. And to me, that is so freaking amazing and intriguing. It just, that's like, it's like a puzzle, you know? And if you stop to think about it, you know, putting a piece of puzzle together and you see the whole thing come together, it's magnificent. That's your body's ladies. Your body is magnificent. It was created to work everything together. But unfortunately, as soon as we leave the womb, we are attacked by our environment. We're attacked by the, all the foods we eat. We're, in, we're attacked by so many in, things that can cause havoc to our delicate systems and throw things off whack. And our hormones happen to be one of those very delicate systems that can easily get thrown out of whack by just the daily things that we encounter. Okay. And we're seeing it right here with our thyroids. Okay. According to the National Institute of Health, selenium is a trace element that can play an important role in thyroid metabolism. So things that you can do to increase your selenium level are tuna, turkey, basil nuts, and grass-fed beef because these are all rich in, in selenium, okay? Also, another critical nutrient for your thyroid, ladies, is the synthesis of iodine. Herbal dietary supplements like kelp are rich sources of natural iodine. Natural iodine along with thyrosine, an amino acid, can help the thyroid manufacture normal levels of, of your hormone T3 and T4. And remember, when we talked about T4, you have T4, your body makes that, but your body has to be able to break down T4 to T3 because T3 is what your body is actively using. Okay. So we see that there. Okay. So iodine. So if you are just like feeling sluggish or, you know, if your thyroid is just beginning to kind of show those subclinical hypothyroid symptoms, maybe your numbers aren't quite there where you are showing you are truly hypothyroidism, doing some things to help your thyroid, like adding selenium or adding iodine can be a big help to help your thyroid work better on its own. Okay. All right. Other things that you can do is you can do have, you can watch the sugar that you eat because too much sugar ladies can lead to an increase in inflammation in the body and inflammation. We know slows down the conversion of T4 to T3. Okay. And those are both other also thyroid hormones. So again, here's how diet, like I'm trying to tell you those core five fundamentals, how they play a role in different things in your body and contribute to different things. So that's why it's important to watch what you eat. I'm not just saying it for myself to sit here and say it. Okay. I'm saying it because your body needs different things in order to function. All right. And you want to keep inflammation at bay because inflammation causes so many things and so much havoc in your body. So just cut down on the amount of sugar. I'm not saying cut it out completely. I'm just saying, be aware of it. 
cut it down. Look at things like stevia and monk fruit and other things that are on the low glycemic index like agave. You know, try substituting other things and don't quickly say that, oh, using stevia or using monk fruit, oh God, it tastes terrible. And you are assuming that it tastes terrible or you're assuming the worst. It tastes like sugar. Monk fruit tastes like sugar, acts like sugar. You can bake with it. Now, stevia, on the other hand, you can also bake with stevia too. And if you have an acquired taste, you can even, I use stevia in my tea and everything. The only thing I just don't use stevia in is my coffee just because I just don't like the flavor, the taste of that. But I use stevia in my oatmeal. I use it in my teas. I use it for baking. I use it for everything else, just not my coffee. So be open-minded and try different things. Okay. Because you'll be surprised at how much you like other things. Okay. The other thing too, is try eating more of a plant-based diet to support thyroid health. Adding leafy greens, grains, nuts, legumes, and beans. All right. Also, moderate exercise such as walking or yoga. And the other thing that you can do too is, if need be for any of this stuff, for a progesterone deficiency where you're having symptoms that are severe, you can always talk to your medical provider because you can also be a candidate possibly for progesterone supplementation through a bioidentical. Um, pharmacy and or even um, through your own insurance may pay for some um, natural progesterone too that can help too. Okay. Cause you may be a candidate for that, but you have to let your provider know and depends on what and how bad your symptoms are. Another thing that can cause progesterone to be low um, is having low cholesterol levels. Okay. Contrary to what we think, okay, too high and too low levels of cholesterol are both bad for our bodies. Okay. So cholesterol, ladies, is involved in creating hormones and it is, as it is the mother of all hormones. It is needed to produce pregnenolone, which then converts down to estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and vitamin D and cortisol. Okay. So when your liver doesn't make enough cholesterol to keep up with your hormone production, ladies, you can experience hormone deficiency. This is why it's dangerous to label cholesterol as bad. It's not always bad, but we're taught to think that cholesterol just in overall the word cholesterol, oh my God, it's bad. I have patients who, if their cholesterol numbers are three above the norm, whatever, are freaking out. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. There's things that you can do. Here's the thing. I want to give you just a little bit of back education here, not in too science a way about cholesterol so that you kind of understand a little bit more about it. Cholesterol is a fat ladies. And it cannot dissolve in your blood because it is fat. So in order for it to travel through your bloodstream, it needs to be wrapped in a transport cell called a lipoprotein. Okay. You're you're familiar with the lipoprotein? Okay. LDL cholesterol or low density lipoproteins carry cholesterol from the liver to different organs, while HDL cholesterol or high density lipoproteins act like a mop to clean up the cholesterol that gets left over in your blood. Therefore, LDL gets the bad rap because it's the cholesterol, it carries it to different organs, and HDL gets the good rap because it mops up the cholesterol and it's known to like decrease the plaque formations and all those other type of things like that. But here's the thing, you need the right amounts of both LDL cholesterol and HDL cholesterol to be healthy. But for many people, LDL cholesterol cholesterol levels become too high and they tend to increase as we get older. It's just a known fact. So here's another thing about cholesterol and how the body makes it. Roughly 80% of your cholesterol ladies in your body is made in your own body. Only the remaining 20% comes from the food you eat. 
On average, the liver produces one to two grams of cholesterol a day, and another 25% is produced in the small intestines. So anytime your body needs more cholesterol to produce hormones like estrogen or testosterone, your liver has to synthesize the cholesterol and it bundles it with proteins so it can be transported in the blood. Cholesterol produces pregnenolone and pregnenolone produces your other hormones like we said earlier. So if you're, so if you're low on cholesterol, okay, and this can be, and I'm not talking about low on cholesterol because you are taking cholesterol lowering medications. Some people just have very, very hereditary low LDL level, HDL levels, and they have just very low LDL levels too. Okay. So, or if you have high LDL and low HDL and want to try to correct it naturally, here's what you can do. Okay. You can try to consume foods that are rich in HDL. These are low carb things. Like you can add olive oil, fatty fish, coconut oil to your diet. Also, Follow a low-carb diet because it can also help with increasing HDL levels for people who have low cholesterol, okay? Because when they, when they put, when they lower the carbs, you are taking out a lot of the, you know, the, um, what is it? The complex carbs. So you want to eat complex carbs and you want to get away from simple carbs. That's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes I get all messed up on here and I'm sorry about that. So be active and also incorporate exercise for to help your cholesterol levels. Strength training, high intensity exercise, aerobic exercise. These all can help you raise your good HDL level. But I want you to realize that cholesterol is not bad for you. You need some cholesterol and you need cholesterol to produce your hormones. Okay. Number four, and the last one that we're going to talk about here is increased cortisol levels. When you are stressed, ladies, as we've talked about many times on the podcast before, the body produces a lot of cortisol, and in turn, this can cause progesterone deficiency. It happens because it uses the resources that are supposed to be used for for creating progesterone and also your brain. So let's take a look at how this happens. So you know that on previous podcasts, I've talked to you about your endocrine system, and we've talked about the HPA axis, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis in relationship to cortisol and stress. But I want you to think about when we talk about progesterone, think about the HPO, not HPA, HPO axis. This is the hypothalamus pituitary ovary. So when we talk about the endocrine, when we talk about your stress and cortisol, we're talking about HPA. When we're talking about progesterone, I'm talking to you about HPO. A major role of the hypothalamus is to interpret signals about your environment. Okay. When your hypothalamus perceives stress, ladies, it signals your pituitary gland to affect hormone production. Under stress, your brain actually downregulates reproduction by reducing FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, and luteinizing hormone, both of which are critical for a normal period, for ovulation, and for progesterone production. So at the same time as that is happening, it's the hypothalamus, your HPA, signaling the pituitary that also signals your adrenals to ramp up cortisol production because you are under a time of stress, so your body wants to help you out. Although it may seem like progesterone and cortisol levels have an inverse relationship, no, ladies, it's really your brain running and telling your body what to do. We aren't really talking about the adrenals affecting the ovaries. It's more of a head to a head to ovary approach. Think about it from your head to your ovary coming from your brain and it's designed for your protection. Okay. Because see ladies, your body will always choose survival over reproduction. 
Okay. When you need to survive, you do not need to reproduce. So therefore your body is going to shut off all the things that you don't need. And that is what is going to happen under stress. So what can you do to kind of help yourself to lower your cortisol levels? Like we've talked about before breathing exercise to ease anxiety, depression, and stress, get enough sleep. We've talked about this several times, write in a journal, get out all your toxic thoughts or things that are causing you anxiety, get in touch with your hobbies and do things that you like, go out for a walk, meditate, do gent, you know, gentle exercise. These are all things that are going to help with your stress levels. And in turn, when you lower your stress levels, you're going to have better hormonal balance. So there you have it, ladies. We talked a lot today about different things. We talked about progesterone and we talked about what it is and what causes progesterone deficiencies. So let's put a recap. We talked about anovulatory cycles. We talked about hypothyroidism being a factor. We talked about low cortisol, low cholesterol levels being a factor. And we talked about having increased cortisol levels that can play havoc to our system as well. So these are all things that can cause a progesterone deficiency, just some there's others, but I thought I'd touch on these four top ones. Okay. So now, you know, what causes you to have a progesterone deficiency. Then we also, at the very beginning of the podcast, we talked about low progesterone symptoms, such as irregular cycles, anxiety, fatigue, PMS, low fertility or infertility, low libido, headaches and migraines or miscarriage. So if you're exhibiting some of these things, it could be because you have a hormonal imbalance. So I just encourage you to explore those avenues as part of your overall things to consider when you're looking at what's going on in your body and maybe perhaps trying to look at those things to get your body back in sync on its own. Okay. And if you need help with that, always, always talk to your medical provider to talk about what other things you can do if you need progesterone supplementation, or if you just need any other thing going on in your life. All right, ladies, there you have it. I hope that you learned something today. DM me at Well Woman Network over on Instagram. If you have any questions, come on over and join us at Well Woman Network 360 if you want to join our Facebook group. And come on over to wellwomannetwork.com and check out all of our free resources. Check out and get on our waiting list for our upcoming monthly membership. And also check out Work With Me. We're still accepting women into our beta program and we'd love to have a free 20-minute consultation with you regarding if this program and I'm the right person to help you optimize your health and get it back on track. All right, ladies. So again, until next week, you know what I say, may God richly bless your life. And until then, bye for now.